right, let's do this. How are you? What the fuckers? What the fuck buddies? What the fucker delics? I don't know. What's happening? What is it? It's the day after my birthday, but I'm recording it on my birthday. So this is the sound of me on my birthday that you're hearing the day after my birthday. Does that make sense? That's the way it works here. But, uh, you know, I got plans. You know, by, by the time you hear this, I will have had a nice dinner and I will be looking forward to my uh, little birthday get together on Saturday. I got a lot of nice birthday texts. I got birthday greetings. I got uh, things that were be. I got nice things. No badness. I got some cards. I'm 60 fucking years old. 60 fucking years old. I woke up yesterday, but today I, I'm, and I'm 60. But I didn't do, I didn't freak out. I'll tell you what I did on my birthday morning. I, uh, I got it together. I woke up. I fed my cats. I thought about being 60. Uh, I, I stretched. I thought about how that felt. Nothing's changed that much. Went to the gym, got on the treadmill, and I thought, all right, man, we'll do something, dude. Do something that is going to, you know, get you amped up for 60. So there I was on the treadmill. I was trying I was trying to make some musical choices and I'm like there's only one thing to do on your 60th birthday morning on the fucking treadmill. That's right, ACDC Powerage. And you know what? Got to be honest with you, not only is it great, but uh AirPods don't get loud enough. Do I, is there some sort of hack that I can make the AirPods kind of almost rupture my eardrums like it's supposed to be heard. I believe that if I used headphones, it'd be better. Does anyone know how to jack my AirPod volume? That does not, it seems like my AirPods are already set for seniors. I needed it louder. That was the only disappointment of my birthday so far is that I could not get ACDC's powerage loud enough while I was on the treadmill. Big day. This is how one spends a big day, a big special birthday. My dad called me. He remembered and he remembered my name. I've not heard from my mother yet. Don't know why, but, you know, she's, you know, got her own things going on. That, that'll happen. Again, this is being recorded the day of. She's not a day late. All my friends have not heard from my brother yet. And it's already, uh, man, it's 1.30 in the afternoon here on my birthday. No brother call, no mother call. But my old man called because his wife's on top of it. And he and I called him back and he, he just turned on. He ran the tape. Happy birthday. Yeah. It's something, man. It's 60. The people at Acast sent me a nice rubber plant. Beautiful plant. I think it will live on my porch. I got a nice uh, kind of chef's table situation uh, at the house uh, coupon or, or gift certificate from my management I uh, I heard from a lot of friends, peers, other comics. I talked to Lou Adler on my birthday, and he's like 90. And he knew it was my birthday. It was nice of him. Came over, did an interview. It was the time we had scheduled, but it was my birthday. And we were, we were able to reflect on his long life. And it made me think about mine. My buddy Danny LaBelle called me, and he's, uh, he brought up some weird passing moment from way back in the day where he was at my house and we were smoking cigars and I was playing a guitar and just hanging around talking. And he thought of it as a high point 
like a memorable thing. And that's kind of struck me. He's kind of a Jewish Jew and uh, he's a philosophical Jew and somewhat religious. But uh, nonetheless, he usually calls me around this time because of Yom Kippur, the high holidays and my birthday. It's always nice to hear from Danny. But he made me think like, you know, maybe I should be reflecting on those moments. Sometimes they're just moments, man. Sometimes they're not chunks of time. Sometimes they're not even dinners. They're not long relationships. There's just these moments in your life that light you up or that are memorable for good reasons. I tend to think about the ones that are horrible or what went, not so much regrets or what went wrong, but when I do reflect, I always, it's, it's, it's not a regret though, but I, I do sort of dwell on, you know, why didn't this, why didn't that, but it's not, it could have, would have, should have either. It's just sort of how my memory works. It's like, oh yeah, that was a rough time. <laughs> do, do you ever reflect? Yes, that was a rough time. Yeah, that was another rough time. Jesus, that time was devastating. But now I'm going to switch it. I'm going to turn the uh, the uh, the knob and I'm going to, you know, sort of maybe reflect on some of the good stuff. That's what I'll be doing. I'll let you know how that goes. I forgot to tell you, LeVar Burton is on the show. This guy is a is a, a, a good guy, a sweet guy. And, and a righteous dude, man. He's beloved by multiple generations for his work on, uh, on, the, uh, on the Reading Rainbow as well as his role on Star Trek. Star Trek, not Star Trek. Star Trek, the next generation. I say it's Star Trek most of the time. He also is the host of the podcast LeVar Burton Reads, which is back for its ninth season. And he has a new podcast coming out called Sound Detectives. And he was in Roots. He was in Roots. That was it, man. The You know, that was his big break. Roots. So look, thanks for all the Ask Mark Anything questions you've been sending in. They're always good. There's still time to ask me a question before next week's full Marin bonus episode. You can go to the link in the episode description and submit your question on the Google form and sign up for the full Marin while you're there, if you'd like. My tour dates are coming up fast. I'm in Bellingham, Washington at the Mount Baker Theater for one show on Saturday, October 14th as part of the Bellingham Exit Festival. It's pretty up there. Portland, Oregon is sold out October 20th through 22nd. Boston, I'm at the TD Garden for Comics Come Home on Saturday, November 4th with a bunch of other people. Dennis Leary and Cam Neely's Big Cancer Benefit. I've done, I haven't done those. It's got to be like, what, 20 years? Is that possible? I don't know. I was on the second and third one, I think. Then I'm at the Chemo Theater in Albuquerque, New Mexico for one show on November 11th. That's selling out quickly. Uh, Denver, Colorado is coming up. I'll be at the Comedy Works South for four shows, November 17th and 18th. Uh, you can go to wtfpod.com slash tour for uh, tickets to everything. And I will be adding a bunch of L.A. dates in December to keep working on the hour. I'm going to do dynasty typewriter dates. I'm also going to do the Elysian theater dates. Just want to keep it fresh. So there will be some local shows happening. I'll post those soon. The other thing I want to talk about, if I could, I've, I went to my PO box and this is a sober thing. I went to my PO box and I hadn't been there in weeks and I got this, this letter or a card from Terry T. I don't know Terry T. All right. She, I, I assume is a listener and she is part of the fellowship. And every year on my sober anniversary, which is August 9th, 
Uh, she seemed, or last, certainly the last few years, she seems to send me a card and, and, and this time she sent me a chip. I think she sent me one last time, but the amazing thing is I don't know her and I don't have a chip. You, you know, you get on in the years and, you know, I don't have a, a regular home group currently. And, you know, I think uh, a few years ago I bought my own chip and it's not like I carry him around, but the chip has meaning. It has meaning if you're sober. And, and, and when you're young in sobriety, chips are important, man. You know, that newcomer chip, that, you know, one month chip, that three month chip, that six month chip, those are the plastic ones, that nine month chip, plastic. And then at a year you get a metal one. And then uh, after that, you know, you just, I'm, I'm taking another little plastic uh, uh, bag now. And after that, you know, people usually give you their chips. Sometimes, you know, that you get hand-me-down chips from people you respect or you look up to and, uh, or your sponsor gives you one. Sometimes you pass it around the room so everyone can touch it for some magic. But, you know, I, I just, I haven't had anyone to give me the metal chips in years. And I believe, I believe Terry T from Little Rock uh, might have sent me my last one too. But now I've got my, uh, I got my 24 my 24-year chip, a little metal, looks like a, a gold one, shiny chip from, uh, from just someone in the fellowship who knows me, knows my sober date, probably listens to this show. Terry T., the card said, would you have believed when you attended those first meetings so very long ago that you could possibly sustain your sobriety for this length of time? No, no. Perhaps not, but you're still here and we're still here. And the miracle is that we can have a positive impact on the lives of others as we carry the AA message. Happy birthday. And then she wrote, happy 24, love and light, Terry T., your sober friend in Little Rock, Arkansas. And there's a card for Little Rock Central Office. If you're in Arkansas and need a meeting, Arkansas Central Office is available with information, meeting guide, anything you need. Sober related. And I got my coin. So I guess this is just a, a thank you on my natal birthday to Terry T in Arkansas for my 24-year sober chip medal. Medal. Man, when you get into the metal ones, they only come every year, but, you know, they got some weight to them. So does your sobriety each year that goes by. Thank you again, Terry. Always good to hear from you once a year. Okay, look, LeVar Burton, what a great guy. I should tell you that LeVar Burton Reads is available wherever you get podcasts, and his new show, Sound Detectives, is coming soon. You can subscribe to it now in all podcast apps, and this is me uh, talking to LeVar Burton. Mike D. Well, when we're in the studio, because um, I I tried doing, I don't have a, a thing. A thing. I don't have a, a room like <laughs> yeah. this. So I I tried. I recorded two seasons during lockdown of my podcast. 
Uh, which which one? Lavar Burton reads. Oh, that and then there's a new one, right? The new one is uh, Sound Detectives. That hasn't that hasn't premiered yet. Not yet. No, it is. Uh, it's it's for children and families. Yeah. Um, What's the angle? Uh, sound Detectives. Uh, all of the sounds uh, of the world are going missing. Oh. And um, <laughs> so it's a game. It, 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 it kind of yeah. Yeah. And and there are two detectives who are on the case. Yeah. To try and return sounds. <laughs> yeah. to, to the world. How many episodes? <laughs> Twelve in the first season. I tell you, man, it, it seems like the the idea of creating stuff for kids, if you've got the hang of it, it, it must be kind of fun. I love it. Well, yeah, I mean, it, you keep things simple in a way. Yeah. You have kids? I have adults. Now? Yeah. But uh, but you, this, this uh, passion for educating children. Yeah. Where did that come from? My mom. Oh. Yeah. She was a teacher. She around still? No, unfortunately oh. not. Where'd you grow up? Sacramento. Oh my God! I just talked to someone else from Sacramento. Who's that? Jessica Chastain. Jessica Chastain. She is uh, a, a a favorite daughter. Yeah. Uh, from well, how River many? City. How many favorite uh, uh, offspring are there from Sacramento? Well, there's Timothy Busfield. Okay. Um, thirty something. He's also okay. director. Tim oh, Busfield. the redheaded guy. Yeah, the redheaded guy. <laughs> <laughs> Heretofore I remember known that guy. as the redhead. I remember guy. that guy. Yeah. He's a sack guy. He's a Sacramento guy. Um, Mark Spitz. We claim Mark Spitz. The the uh, the Jewish uh, swimmer? The uh, Olympic athlete. Yeah, yeah. Swimmer. Yeah, right. Let's just break Famous it down. Mark Spitz. Famous, Famous Mark Spitz. When I was a kid, because I'm a Jew, it was uh, he was a big deal. Yeah. It's like, look, a Jew can do this. Hello. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, Timothy B. Schmidt from the Eagles. Oh, that's right. From the original lineup, the yeah. uh, bass player, I think. Eagles, right? right. Timothy B. You Shirt. actually know all of them. I, I've met them all For, at a Sacramento meeting. At a, at a, yeah, there's like a meeting of uh, Sacramento favorite uh, the, favorite sons and daughters. The Sac Hall of Fame. <laughs> Not, uh, well, I, actually, you know what? It's 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 funny, but I did. I I met Timothy B. Schmidt. We were both um, installed in the Sacramento Walk of Fame. Yeah, at the same in the same class uh-huh. in the same year. Um, the the inaugural. How big year. is that? How many blocks is that uh, uh, walk it, going? It's it's. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> your, you know your cynical nature uh, oh, is sorry. never <laughs> is is never on hiatus, Mark Maron. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a couple of blocks long. Okay. Okay. I'm just, I guess I'm weird about Sacramento because I used Why? to go. Well, I had a, a girlfriend years ago from Sacramento. It was not a, a great experience. Oh. But I mean, I don't have, hold the city responsible. But uh, I also, I mean, I my memories of Sacramento are very specific. I used to do the punchline in Sacramento, uh, when, you know, uh, as the comedy club, uh-huh, which club. is in a strip mall, uh-huh. or it's in a mall next to a mattress store. Uh, uh, like a strip mall. There used to be a, like a 50s-style diner there, uh-huh. and there was a Chili's, and we used to stay at the hotel across the street, and then over here was the Arden Fair Mall. Arden Fair Mall. So that's my experience of, right. of Sacramento. Okay. okay. Sort of wandering around hungover back in the day yeah. uh, at the Arden at Mall. At the Arden Fair Mall. Yeah. It's um it's where we would go when I was uh when I was in the seminary. Yeah. We would um once a year around Christmas time they yeah. would, they would bus us in from Galt to the Arden Fair Mall so that we might do our Christmas shopping. Um, the seminary. How old were you when you were in the seminary? I entered the I entered St. Pius when I was thirteen, thirteen and a half. But wait a minute. So 
I know yeah. there's nothing you equivalent in in, uh, in 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 Judaism to the seminary. Yeah. Well, there's the well, but the seminary is a, that's the uh, the track to priesthood. It is. It's not just a Catholic school. Correct. They, but you go that young. Yeah, you can. I do. really. Yeah. So, how, do you have siblings? I do. How many? Uh, well, uh, two. Yeah. My, my younger sister is no longer with us, but sorry, my elder sister certainly is. Okay. So you're a kid. Yeah. And you decide you're going to be a priest. I decided to become a priest when I was about eight. And but who sticks to that? I, I did it until <laughs> until I got to the seminary. Um, wow. And then and then I, I guess it was that uh, that immersion in that culture that. Um, Coupled with having a teacher that really opened my eyes to different ways of looking at the world. At the seminary? Yeah. So he kind of worked against the objective. He was, you know, it was it was the seventies, and so the church sure. was going through a lot of a lot of change. Oh yeah. Um, and 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 I think society was going through a lot of change. And um, thankfully, it was. Yeah. I mean, it, it was it was civil rights. It was Vietnam. It was Kent State. It was the you know it was the Democratic National Convention in Chicago. It 68, was sixty eight. That was right. Sixty eight. The Democratic National right. Convention. Then, but like it's interesting because you weren't quite old enough to be running around in the streets, but it was all you were old enough to to feel what was happening. Yes, absolutely. And there were like I I remember in in the, there were some fairly well known radical Catholic priests. Mm-hmm. Who were doing the right thing? Daniel Berrigan being one of them. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so this guy, what did he? How did he blow your mind? He he was my instructor for all of my favorite classes. He was the English teacher. Um, he was the philosophy teacher. So that was that was that was really. I mean, he we were reading uh, Kierkegaard and yeah. Lao Tzu and Heidegger. I mean, it really, he sort of blew the roof off of my mind as to how many different ways there are to look at and interact with the world. Yeah. And Catholicism, you know, was just a slice. But did he say that? No, but that was my that was my that was takeaway. Take that was my takeaway. But isn't that interesting that back then you could have these guys who could run their own class? Yeah. Yeah, even within something like That's, that. That the church was going through a lot of change and upheaval and they were losing they were losing cats that had a vocation left, right, and center. But that was before the big pedophilia oh, yeah. thing, which was ongoing. The Catholic but Church has been in crisis for hundreds of years. Making a lot of money, though. Well, there's a crisis, and then there's crises. Mm-hmm. Right? So, you're brought up Catholic. Yeah. But not because, you know, there was, there was any sort of history of Catholicism in my family. My mother was brought up in a more um, uh, Southern Baptist tradition. Where are they from originally? My mom's from Kansas City, Missouri. Yeah, see, that's right? where that is. Yeah, yeah, right. And you don't. What about your pop? He's from uh, Arkansas, little, huh. little place uh, near near Cherry Hill. Uh huh. Uh, but you don't have a relationship with that guy? No, nah, not no, oh, really, not not particularly. No. But he was in like it. Like I did a little research. What did you, you find s- out about me? Well, I mean, you just started your life overseas. Yeah. But you have a, no recollection of that? Oh, not the first tour of duty. I was born there, and, and then we came back to the States. But we went again when I was in the third and the fourth grade. What? So why? Why? What was your old man into? He was a, in, in the military. He, right. Uh, he was a photographer. Huh. Third Armored, uh, third armored Division Signal Corps. Huh. He, he was a photographer. So you have memories of going back there? Oh, yeah. I have memories of, of, of Germany, of that second tour of duty. Yeah. Without question. It was really, it was a pretty formative 
experience. Yeah, like what happened there? So, because now we we've got the church out the. Yeah. you got the renegade priest. Yep. <laughs> who decided to give kids a a, a a sort of a spectrum of a worldview? Yep. And then Germany, you're on the base. Germany, but but um, yes, but after uh, a. a a stint of what they called living on the economy. When we first got there, yeah. there, was, there was there was no room for us in the military housing, right? Um, and so we lived in an apartment in in town in Hanau. And one of the things I remember most about uh, about being in Germany as a kid was the awareness that this is different. Mm. This is, the people are different. The language is different. The sounds are different. It's a brace it, of that language. It can be. Yeah. Um, I didn't really recognize that until much later in my life, how guttural and, and sort of uh, un, unattractive to the ear it can be. Yeah. Um, but it, it was part, it was, it was in another way. It was yeah. a, a, an, an awakening mm-hmm. of, of the possibilities that, that, that are out right. there. Right. It's like another world almost. It, it, absolutely. And you'd been here. Been here. And then, how old were you when you went back there? Uh, third and fourth grade. So oh, yeah. So that's like... Yeah, uh, nine, eight, nine, ten. And you're not living on base. Not at first. You're, we, out, we, you're we, out in the world. Yes. And then, and then when, when space opened up, then we moved um, in, into, in, into family housing. Wow. So, like, you know, that's a, a, a very formative time, I'm trying to think about fourth grade. Yeah. Yeah, I broke my leg. I remember that. Really? Yeah, I broke my leg in fourth grade. Doing? I remember, I was skiing. Uh-huh. And I remember teachers, and I remember things. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I talk sometimes about my third grade teacher. Really? Mrs. Twiggs. Oh, yeah? How was that? Well, it, In Germany? Yeah. Hanau, huh. Hanau American Elementary. Okay. <laughs> And Mrs. Twiggs was she telling you about Kierkegaard too? No, she was not. No, no, she was, she was not. She was more of a Heidegger person. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but she had to be because she was she was, she German. was in Germany. She, yeah, yeah. yeah. On occasion, she would like after lunch to go to the teachers' lounge and make herself a cup of tea. Mm. Did Mrs. Twiggs? And, yeah. Um, and when she did, she would put me in charge of the class. She would give me, put a book in my hand and have me read yeah. to the class until she got back. Oh, that's what did it. I was the best reader in the third grade. Yeah. And it was, seriously, it was the first time anyone outside of my family had acknowledged me for something that I did well. Huh. Right? Yeah. And that was powerful. Yeah. I mean, you made a life out of it. I Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> it was life changing. So she was, you she know, planted the seed. She did. She she did. She was she was instrumental in me being who I am. Third grade is kind of like I remember. I for some reason I had memorized all the presidents, mm. and I stood in front of the class and and I and I could say all the presidents in a row. That's impressive. Yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. And I remember I the only reason I was able I was kind of obsessed with the presidents without having knowing anything about them. I was very obsessed with old pictures of people. Uh-huh. And, uh, and and I'd look at their pictures. Like, I can remember what they all look like. Wow. Isn't that weird? It is. I don't know what they did, but, you know, but uh, that didn't start till much later. Yeah. But I can remember, like, I know what William McKinley looks, looks like. like. James Garfield. Right. Rutherford B. Hayes, I can picture. Yeah. Taft. Madison. Yeah. Yeah. They're all in my head. They are Andrew all... Johnson, not a great guy. No, I'm like my least favorite ex. Well, almost my least favorite ex president. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. Well, that that number keeps growing. Yeah. 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 He was like... number one for a long time. Sure, yeah. I bet. Yeah. 
So, okay, so you're 13, you're at the seminary, yeah. and that's when you quit? You say to your folks? I, right. I, I decided not to become a priest, but, you know, then I was faced with, so what am I going to do now? At 13? Well, it, was 15, it was 15, 16 when I decided not to become a priest. But, but didn't the celibacy thing play in? Oh, yeah, there were a lot of factors. Yeah. A lot of— But most of it was you couldn't, you couldn't buy into the Catholic worldview? Most of it. I think maybe sex and worldview, maybe 50-50. Yeah. Yeah. But, but Catholicism in and of itself is a pretty elaborate bit of business. What really—one of the things yeah. I know that attracted me to, to Catholicism was the ceremony. The, yeah, man. The ritual. Yeah. The, the the pomp, the circumstance, the magic, right? It's all black magic. It is. It, 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 <laughs> well, it's, 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 it's magic of a sort. I'm not sure what color it is. Um, but it was, it, it, it was welcoming. I found great comfort and solace in, in, in the mystery and the magic. Yeah, man. I mean, I, have, you, have you been to uh, Italy? Very much, yeah. So you go, to, I, I've noticed this, you go to any cathedral. Yes. And so much work was put into the, the, the massive presentation that, you know, any peasant who walked into a cathedral would have to just buckle, you know, go, hit their knees and be like, oh my God. Those buildings, look at this. They, are, they, are, they are designed and manufactured yeah. specifically to put you in a state of Yes, and there's and they're all full of dead wizards. True, a lot of dead wizards. Lots. It's like when you go to Rome and stuff, you realize like you know there 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 have been popes. Yep. Forever, for there's hundreds and hundreds of popes that are down there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or there's pieces of them spread around. Sometimes you get a finger. They they call them relics. The relic. The relics. Yeah. The relic racket. Yeah. Yeah, Right. No. Totally. No. There's 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 a lot. um, There there's a lot that that. Um, I don't. Yeah, I don't feel bad about having walked away from Saint Catherine's head is uh, in one of them. Is I that think, right? In Sierra, uh, Sienna, Sienna? Or, I, I remember that one because I got a postcard of it. But I, but I read about. I remember reading about that there was sort of a relics racket where there was a lot of, like you know, not authentic bits and pieces of the saints. It's what it's what human beings do. We pervert everything. Oh yeah, it's in our nature. Yeah, the grift. The, the grift. It's it's as old as DNA. It is kind of right. It is. Um, so why why acting? How did that sort of at, at fifteen? So at Saint Pius, there I was yeah. standing in the bathroom mirror. I, mm. I'm one of those people for whom a lot of important life decisions are made yeah. in the bathroom. Yeah. Uh, this this was this was the beginning of that journey. For are you me. wearing an outfit? Uh, no seminary no, uniform. No, only uh, no, no, no. All right, no. You're just in the bathroom at the <laughs> seminary. I was, I was taking stock mm. of my life and and its direction, given that I had just decided not to do the thing that I was pointed towards. Yeah, for several years. Right. And and I had discovered I had discovered theater arts. I had found my tribe at at, at seminary. Saint Pius, yeah. Oh, so you were doing that. We had a very, very robust theater program. Really? Yeah. And what kind of what what, what kind of stuff are you doing? Well, first my first my first did role. That, did that one priest oversee the theater program? He was, yeah. Oh. He, but see, and that's the thing. He wasn't a priest. He wasn't a priest. He wasn't a brother. He was a layman, 
and he was and and he had graduated uh, from Berkeley. So he was like, he, and he was young. I mean, he was young. He was right. a young guy, right? Right. Yeah. And he was bursting with all of this energy and enthusiasm right. and all of these ideas. And, and so he was the theater guy too. He was. So did he have you doing like Beckett? And... I did Murder in the Cathedral. Okay. <laughs> At seminary. Yeah, at seminary. What is that about? Um, it, it, it's it's the it's the story of a night of Thomas St. Thomas More's life and yeah. he's visited by three tempters oh. um there is uh at the beginning of the second act he gives a christmas sermon and yeah. and and i will never forget we did a performance in the cathedral in sacramento downtown sacramento and at the beginning uh, he says in nomini patris et filiate spiritu sancti yeah. and everybody in the church made the sign of the cross and i thought oh <laughs> my god <laughs> wow the power. That's power. Yeah. That, I was like, okay. Did they like the production? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, they did. But they weren't going to mess with the, the rules. Like well, You say I, that in a church. It was sort of an autonomic that. response that right. they had. And I was like, okay. Yeah. Right? Well, you, well, I'm glad you said, okay, you know, I can be an actor as opposed yeah. to, okay, anybody can be a priest. You just have to say the stuff. Well, I, I guess I, that could have been a takeaway, but yeah. I, I went in the other direction. How's your Latin? Sounded pretty good. Uh, it used to be much better. Did uh, you understand it? Uh, yeah. Huh. Because I always thought that was an obstacle to Catholicism was really? the Latin. Well, I mean, I you know, coming up a Jew, yeah, the Hebrew, we you know, yeah. we learned how to read it, but I couldn't understand it. Really, I think Latin's a little easier to understand because a lot of that stuff. It's a foundation. Of yeah, it's words. a foundation. It's a foundation of words. It's you know, it's it's yeah, and, and you know, I'm from California, so you, yeah, you know, if you don't know a little Spanish, which is based on Latin, then you're you're pretty much in trouble. How's your Spanish? My Spanish is better than my Latin. Yeah, yeah. So okay, so you do the acting yeah. at seminary. Yep. Right, I I had uh, now is this teacher still around? Lee did Bartlett. You, did you he ever is. reach out? Oh yeah, he is. He is. Oh no shit. Yeah, we I, we are we are in in communication. Really? Yeah. So you were able to like uh, share a little gratitude. Lee Bartlett knows the impact that he had on my life. Yeah. Um, he does. Yeah. Okay. He, he does. Is he all right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> why, do you, why do you ask? Because you're saying it in kind of a weird way. Right oh, now, but, like, like like he's like, about to die, or or that like you know that's enough said. Ah, uh, no. Oh, no, 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 yeah, no, yeah. no, no. Not not at all. Yeah. No, the man was tremendously influential, and and is almost single handedly the reason I became an actor. Him and Sidney Poitier. Yeah, and and we can't forget. Miss uh, Twig, Mrs. Twigs, Mrs. Yeah, Twigs, my third grade teacher for uh, the reading. She she's on the team too, and, and performative. That was a performance was. as well. It it's was. all tying together. It, it You've was. made all these connections before, uh, not with you. <laughs> 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 all right. So where do you go after the 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 uh, after white light? Yeah, the cathartic experience of realizing that acting was the the trip. I I um, I won a full scholarship to study theater at uh, the University of Southern California here in Los Angeles. Um, USC? Mm-hmm. Huh. What year was that? 1974. See, that's what's interesting about when you were living is that, like, because I noticed that some of the credits, you know, after Roots were, you know, these shows that, you know, was kind of processing a lot of actors at the time mm -hmm. of all generations. You like mean... It was you mean Love Boat? Well, though, and yeah, and, and but they were Fantasy around. Island. Yeah. yeah, but they were around. You know, there was that. that uh, I'm kind of fascinated with that. The '70s and that there was that old guard who yeah. was just really the first generation of movie stars to, right. to age out. That's right. 
And but they were still around. They were. And, you and know, they were doing TV. Right. And and like these young guys like yourself and other people, even the, you know, the Nicholsons and the and the Hoppers and stuff, you know, were sort of like there there always seemed to be a reverence mm. for those that old generation. I, I think so. Yeah. I'm, I'm, so you're here at USC. Mm-hmm. Studying theater. With who? Do you remember? Um, my acting teacher was Mary Carver. Uh-huh. Um, and you, who was in the class? Anybody we know? Uh, in my, in my BFA so class, uh, no, but, but I did, uh, I did main stages with, uh, the likes of Andy Tennant, um, Madeline Smith, uh-huh. who played opposite Travolta in Urban Cowboy. Okay. Um, yeah, there were some notables that, uh, that, that were around at the same time. And you, you were living in LA then? I was, yeah. So you're, that, that was, that's another, I would imagine, mind-opening experience. Moving to Los Angeles? Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, did you move for college? Is that I did. Your, okay, I, so I you're came, here. Yeah, yeah, and I came out of a, a fairly cloistered environment, small. Cloist, literally, the seminary. Yeah, and to, you know, to <laughs> yeah. the campus of USC. Yeah. It was. And what what was that like? It was like, it was, it was, it was a bit overwhelming. Yeah. It was huge. Um, and there were, you know, women everywhere. Yeah. It was. Yeah. And it was 74. Yeah. So that's post 60s where yeah. the politics are actually removed from the equation. It was just sex. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then as a sophomore, that's, yeah. when, that's when I auditioned for Roots. So you auditioned for that. How you're like 19? I was 19. Yeah. And then, and you got it. I did. My first professional audition. How, what was that process? Um, I mean, did, was it like right away or? It, no, it, it was it was drawn out and protracted. Yeah, um, that's a big part. It was, yes. and and they were very they they were all um, the executives. I mean, they were, yeah. they were all nervous about casting the 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 kid who had no previous professional right. experience. Right, it was a it was a it was a risk. Yeah, it was a risk. Sure, um, but you know, I kept hanging around. In the in the cuts in the competition. Yeah. Okay. Um, March twenty third, nineteen seventy six. I was screen tested. Yep. Um, and then that screen test went back and forth from the offices of ABC, the executives. In, yeah. In New York and Los Angeles, they sort of batted it back and forth. And like I said, nobody wanted to you know, like make the decision. Were they all aware at that time of the weight of the thing, of of like getting that they that. Get, Getting it right? Well, I mean, getting it right. Or getting it on the, putting it on the air at all. All of it. You know. uh, I don't know if you would would have known. I would, I I don't know that how, what you mean by aware. Well, I mean. Because there's not a lot of consciousness coming from white men in executive suites. That's what I mean. networks in the, in the, in the mid seventies. Right. Right. But somebody must have been championing this very specific story. They, they, they did recognize the, the, the unique nature of what Alex Haley was able to do. And they recognized his value as a storyteller. Yeah. The man was absolutely mesmerizing as a, as a storyteller. Spent time with him? A lot. A yeah. lot. Yeah. Um, and so they bought it, but they didn't, they didn't trust it, right? They didn't trust that America would embrace it. You know, one of the, the brilliant things about David Wolper, the, the man who executive produced Roots, was he hired all of America's favorite TV dads yeah. to be villains yeah. in Roots. They okay. were all slave owners. Yeah. Uh, Lauren Green, Papa Cartwright. Um, there was Chuck Connors, the Rifleman. Sure. Um, Lloyd Bridges. Oh, Robert Reed, Papa yeah. Brady. Yeah. He, he, he was a slave owner. I mean, yeah. he, Ed Asner. 
all of those guys were in roots as villains, slave ship captains and, and slave owners. And so it lowered the barrier of entry, but they still weren't certain that, you know, how's it going to play in Peoria? That's Sure. That's and the also, question. like, how are people going to respond right. to those guys being that? Well, that's kind of interesting and weirdly loaded. Huh. It was a real smart move as a producer. Yeah. I, I, Brilliant, I believe. You think that it was to bring eyes to it? It was, it, 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 sure. Absolutely. It was to bring eyes to it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And also there's some sort of weird kind of a subtext of, of taking responsibility somehow. Yeah, I don't think that was on their minds at all, Mark. I think they were the right skin color for the parts. <laughs> and they were actors and they were the right age group. Yeah. And they, they, and they, and they, and they, and they had TVQ, yeah. right? They, yeah. they were popular. They yeah. were some of the most popular actors on TV. Huh. Yeah, man. So, I mean, a hundred million people watched that thing. Yeah. How many episodes was it? It was, uh, it was twelve hours. Yeah. Over eight consecutive nights. I mean, I was like, how old was I? Seventy-seven, sixty-three, seventy-three. I was like thirteen, mm-hmm. fourteen, mm-hmm. and I remember it. Mm-hmm. It was the first time I think any of us, yeah, were exposed to at least that version of of. The reality of slavery. That goes for the whole country. Right. Yeah. It was, it was the first time we had ever experienced the story of the enslavement of black people in America from, yeah. from the point of view of the Africans. And do you remember for yourself, you know, after it aired, mm-hmm. you know, where did that put you culturally? I mean, what, like within the black community mm-hmm. as an actor mm-hmm. and, and, and as somebody I would imagine who got questions. Mm-hmm. What what was that experience? It um it it really jump started my desire to figure myself out. Uh huh. Um the, the 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 phenomenon of becoming famous was a great impetus. And I have to assume that a lot of it was relatively in as opposed in terms of detail new to you. All of it was new to me. I'm a kid from Sacramento, California. No, but I mean just the the story of roots. Oh, yes. It, it it was it was not unknown, but it was new to me on that level. Yeah. That uh, that viscerally. Yeah. I felt like I, I mean, from the very first time I I, I saw the the first sides. Yeah. Um, my first my first audition, Lynn Stonemaster, legendary Lynn Stonemaster, casting agent, cast roots and and. I remember going to his office and looking at the, the, the pages and thinking, yeah. I know who this kid is. Yeah. I know who he is. Oh, really? I'd never been to Africa. Sure. But I knew who this kid was. Right. I, I, I knew... Genetic memory of some kind. I, I tell a story about that very thing. Because yeah. I believe very much in, in, in that concept of genetic memory. Night before we started shooting um, scenes in the hold of the ship, yeah. Um, Alex Haley brought a galley's copy of the novel. Yeah. He put a bookmark in the that where the middle passage began. Mm-hmm. And I stayed up all night reading, 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 reading. Yeah. We shot in this set. They built a in in, in a warehouse, they built the interior of the hold of this ship and we shot for three days in, in this set. And I remember the first day pretty well yeah and and i remember i remember being done i remember the last day but there's time i am missing Mm. and my explanation for that is that um the ancestors came in and protected my psyche 
while I engaged in some really deep genetic memory huh. work. Yeah. Yeah. So that's sort of a, it's, it's a spiritual experience. Acting is for me. Yeah. Yeah. And so they protected you. I believe that to be true. From losing yourself in the horror. From losing my mind in the horror. Yeah. <laughs> Have you had uh, any experience of that late uh, again? Not that deep. Yeah. Not, 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 not to the point where I don't recall um, time. Yeah. Wild, man. And that, and then that be like everybody. Kunta Kinte became this cultural touch point, mm -hmm. like that. He heralded everywhere, globally. Yeah, a, 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 a real symbol of freedom and the indomitability of the human spirit. And and your license plate, OG Kunta. <laughs> it, it would have been just Kunta, but I had that on a car before that that got totaled, and 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 the lapse was so I could I could have kept it, but I would have yeah. had to pay the registration for you know for like sure twenty years worth of yeah. Of, of 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 registering it, so I just 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 went with another another combination of so, letters. So you're this guy, kid from Sacramento, and now like you you enter. I would imagine. I, I mean, everyone knew you were an actor, but you had to have entered the broader cultural conversation about race at the yeah. time. Mm -hmm. Were you put in positions that you you were uh, uncomfortable with or presented? Uh, yes, I was, and I grew much more comfortable with them over time. The 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 more I became comfortable with myself. Yeah. The easier it was to have conversations that um that are challenging. Cuz I imagine people are asking you questions that you did not know the answers to yeah. or have the answers or to. Or have the answers to. Sure. Right. Hadn't really thought about the answers. Yeah. But you had to kind of get up to speed with your own identity, with my own identity. Hmm. Having and having been um the raisin in the oatmeal in most of my childhood situations. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The only black kid in uh, Boy Scouts or in, you know, my class. Yeah. Um, it, you know, I, I hadn't found my identity as, as a black person yet. I think there's a, I, 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 I feel like there's a link between, um, you look at, at the end of the Civil War. Yeah. And reconstruction, mm. and then the migration of, of you know black populations from the south to the north, yep. and then to the west. My family is part of that westward migration, civil rights movement in the '60s, roots in the '70s. Barack Obama gets elected president in the 2000s, right? Yeah, you remove one of those links from that chain, and it all falls apart. Right, and now we're going back to the Civil War. And now we're going, we're going, we're going. We are, re yeah, we are regressing. Yeah, no question about it. Right. Well, yeah, that's the natural arc. So, like, after what were the first sort of? How were you piecing together your identity as a person as an actor? I mean, because like, that was a big role. Yeah, <clears throat> and it had a personal impact. You you engaged the uh, the ancient spirits, mm -hmm. and now you just had to be a guy in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, how, what was the, the the sort of evolution struggle? You yeah, know, there's struggle. Yeah. Highs and lows, ups and downs, but I, I, I reached a point where I, I didn't, I didn't want the the highs necessarily, and I certainly didn't want the lows. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and I didn't, I didn't know exactly what I wanted, but I didn't, I didn't want the, the volatility. 
Well, it's interesting because you were really kind of like it, it, it was this this it, like you said it had this global impact, and you were at the the core of this of this story, mm-hmm. you know, as an actor. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you sort of filled in this tremendous gap viscerally for for certainly this country's white people and black people to a degree. And then you just, you know, next up, you're like auditioning for television shows. Right. Or for, you did a movie with Steve McQueen. I did. His last movie? Yeah. What was that guy like? He was awesome. Yeah? Yeah. He really was awesome. He was really good to me. Yeah. Yeah. And so as an actor, are you are you training with still or are you just after roots did you continue studying or did Yeah, I did. I I did continue studying. Um uh I uh I recognized at some point that I needed to continue my study. I yeah. you know, I was I was in a four-year program, conservatory program at USC. Yeah. And and that was, you know, I I left halfway through. So Because of the because casting. Of, because of roots. Yeah. yeah. Um and I was, you know, I was absolutely willing and ready to go with the, on the ride wherever it took me. Yeah. Um, and, and I recognized it at, at one point that, yeah, I really need to be in class. How long did it take for people to stop saying, Kunta Kinte? Well, <laughs> I, uh, it, it took a minute. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't necessarily consider that a bad thing. No, it was a bad you know? thing. But it, it's a rare thing where, you know, something is so impactful yeah. that you just do, like, whatever those episodes were. Yeah. It's not a whole series. I, I was in it I was in it for two episodes. Two episodes? Right. And you're that guy for, for the a life. decade. For life. For, uh, no, really, for life. Because, I, I mean, I have, I have since um, really embraced Kunta. Yeah. For for for. A, a minute in my early career, he was an obstacle, right? Because that's all people saw, right? <laughs> it's wild, man. But at 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 a point in my process, I was able to really turn around and embrace him as right. an ally, right? And um, and so I I feel much 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 better. Well, that's intense, man. You know, because usually that happens if you've been on a series, right? You know, for four or five seasons. Yes. But you were that guy for four hours, <laughs> for for four hours of television time. Yeah. So there was period. Did you ever think it was like, why did I do that? No, I never yeah. thought that. Yeah. I never, I never thought that. I, I've always seen Roots as a major blessing in my life. What did you learn from Alex Haley? The importance of authenticity. Mm. Um. Alex was one of the most authentic people I've ever met. Hmm. And when I when I say that, what I mean is that, you know, when you were in his presence, he was laser focused on you. Mm. He wasn't looking over your shoulder to see who more important maybe walked in yeah. the room, right? Right. He was um he was very, very humble and um master, master storyteller. Yeah, clearly. Yeah. When did you feel that you had sort of moved on? Past it as an actor, roots. Yeah. Well, I, I don't think I've ever really considered it important to move past it. I, but I mean, that, just but that the, where you were free to do other things. Yeah, that I think for for me, the the image is to expand large enough to include that too. Sure. Right. Yeah. Um. 
I guess I was in my 40s. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. 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 Because you got to understand, Mark, you know, when Roots came out, there was no monolithic response to it, especially in the black community. What do you mean? Well, no monolithic response. There was a, a, a large section of the black community that was embarrassed by Roots because it depicted us in our period of enslavement. Mm. And that's all we had been fed in in terms of media representation yeah. in f- film and in television. Mm-hmm. Because of the nature of this culture, black people were always depicted in a less than subservient way to white culture and it it was it was a painful reminder for some of that reality it's interesting because it goes before this sort of representation of of post civil war blacks as subservient it's like it's the it's the origin story it is the origin story of of american yeah, but it, again, looking at the the, the post Civil War story, right. yeah. that didn't turn out well. No, there was a, a a period in Reconstruction where you know we were doing really really well. Yeah, uh, but then you know, but that yeah. that, got that was away. taken away. Yeah, right. Well, I, I, I it, it it's just it, it's interesting because it's not it's not the characterization of 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 black people like as racial stereotypes. It pre-existed it that. It pre-existed that. And yet that was still sensitive. But what it did portray was that being black in America is fucking hard. Mm. It ain't easy. It's not for the weak. Right. Yeah. So so you felt that. And that yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. There was a question with some parts of the black community like, why'd you do that? Or, or, or why do we always have to be represented that way? Right. And Kunta was absolutely emblematic, even though... He himself had a warrior's identity yeah. and never wanted to submit to that dynamic. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's why he kept his he kept saying, My name is Kunta. Yeah. Right? Yeah. He wouldn't answer to Toby. Yes. Yes. He was Kunta. Yeah. He knew who he was. Right. Right? Yeah. So, um, you know, shit's complex. Yeah. It's still complex. Yeah. So, what's the next role where you were like, you, you felt like I, that, you know, I did, like I met, like, was the, are those, were those shows fun though, like The Love Boat and, <laughs> and, and, and Fantasy Island? <laughs> Who were you on the, wait, uh, Fantasy Island, Sammy Davis Jr. played my father. In that yeah, that's what I'm Fantasy saying. That's Island. what I'm saying. That was like, that blew my mind. Yeah. That was like, are you kidding me? First time I met Sammy Davis Jr. was backstage at The Tonight Show. Uh-huh. He wanted to give me suits. He wanted to give me suits, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I was like a waif. I was, you know, I was still a student at USC. Yeah. yeah. I wish I had said yes yeah. to Sammy Davis Jr. wanting to give me suits because yeah. I would have those suits yeah. today. Yeah, have the Sammy suits. I would have Sammy suits. Yeah. I'm... I'm a black man of a certain age. Sammy, Sammy Davis, Davis Jr. is yeah. is in the pantheon sure, of, of black people. Yeah, was he fun? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. He invited us all to come up to his house, uh-huh. and I didn't go. Hmm. Imposter syndrome is 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 real. Oh, so you felt you... I didn't feel worthy. Oh wow. I didn't feel worthy. Huh. That happened a lot in the early days. Yeah? Yeah. I'd meet people and they would embrace me and, you know, and I just, huh. I, I, I couldn't trust it. 
Got regrets about that? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Who else did you meet that you felt like you could have done a, a better job at it? B.B. King. Oh. George Benson. Mm. I mean, Pryor? Uh, did you ever meet Pryor? Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He didn't yeah. invite me to his house, but... Well, that's you know. probably better off. You might not have ever gotten out. <laughs> <laughs> might have left with a big problem. <laughs> <laughs> Probably the best thing you ever did was uh, not go to not Richard's, go to Richard's house. <laughs> there might have been guns and coke involved. I'm you? sure there were guns and coke involved. <laughs> but what a great time, though, yeah. I, I would imagine. You know, it. again, I survived it. Mm. You know, I survived. And um, and I'm really happy that I, I did. People would come up to me and say, you, you know, LeVar, you're such a good kid. You're a nice yeah. kid. Don't change. Right. Don't change. Yeah. And yet I felt myself going through all of these changes and being a people-pleasing person. I didn't want to disappoint anybody. But right. it put me in conflict with the journey that I was on. Huh. Right? Yeah. I, yeah. What? Well, being a human being can be really, it sucks. It's well, nice. I mean, you felt that you, that you had opportunities that would have compromised your integrity as a person? I mean, did you wrestle with that stuff? Did you find that, you know, in terms of casting, in terms of choices you were making, that, you know, you were being minimized somehow? I mean, after you played Kunta Kinte, were, those, were there roles where you're like, I can't do this? No. Well, uh, I won't do this as opposed to I can't. Right, right, yeah. right. There, yeah, there, that's there were, what I yeah, mean. Yeah, there were, there were th- but, but, there were, but there were also, the flip side of that was, there was a, there was a, a, a period in my career where I felt, like it was an imposition to audition. What do you mean? Like I'm LeVar Burton. Oh, really? <laughs> that was the, the big-headed period? The, big, the big-headed period, oh, right? That was the, yeah. the big-headed period. You exactly. know who I am. Yeah. Right? How'd that go for you? Not well. <laughs> <laughs> Surprisingly, not well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you got on the fuck that kid list. Yeah, uh, right? Yeah. Yeah. So do you uh, do you think it hobbled you? You seem to have kind of stayed steady working for a uh, long time. I've managed. I've I've managed to stay busy and active because a I've been you know lucky yeah. and, and blessed. Yeah, and I've worked my ass off. Well, I mean, during all this period, where it's interesting though, because if you look at the credits, the TV credits and stuff mm-hmm. after Roots, whether it was your ego or not. You were you were just being moved through TV shows. Yes, right. And I did, I did TV movies. Yeah. Um. You know, start in TV movies. Yeah. And 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 some episodic. Right. Right. So yeah, like after this monumental thing. Right. You're just another actor. Right. Doing the thing, meeting yeah. Sammy, but yep. that's good. Yeah. And then Star Trek eventually comes along, and that's like that like that the whole idea of that. You know, you can't even attach it to to race to a certain degree, you know, to to be in that landscape. Right. It's science fiction. It's science fiction. However, yeah, it was, uh, it was absolutely clear to me in how much I wanted Star Trek. Yeah. How much that show had influenced me growing up. What you mean when it came up and you were auditioning for no, it? No, like, when it came on TV. No, but I mean like you knew when you auditioned for it that you wanted it. Oh, I wanted I, I wanted Star Trek as much as I'd wanted anything since Kunta. Huh. I wanted it I wanted more I wanted it more than I'd wanted anything since Kunta. It, it played a big part in your childhood? Oh yeah. You were a Star Trek kid. Seeing Nichelle Nichols on the bridge of that sure, ship yeah. meant that when the future came there was a place for me. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. Yeah. 
she made it. She did. Yeah. And Gene Roddenberry is the creator. Yeah. So when 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 I was asked if I was interested in in coming in and auditioning, I was, yeah, absolutely. Do I get to meet Gene? Did you? I did. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Gene, Alex Haley, Gene Roddenberry. And Fred Rogers, those three men are my storytelling mentors. Sure, right for very different for, reasons. For very different reasons, and from and from different genres of storytelling. What what did uh, Roddenberry impress upon you? All of our heroes are human. Mm. He was a giant in my mind, hmm. um, and I got to meet and work with the man, and that was eye opening. And did you? Uh, how much did you uh, interact with? Uh, I know you were on the same show, but how much of a influence was Shatner on you? Uh, the Shat um, influenced me in in <laughs> no discernible ways. Uh, that I, that he I, was here a couple weeks ago. Was he? I talked to him. I, I love the Shat. I, I I do, and I and I have I I am he's a guy. tickled that I've become friends with Bill Shatner over time. He's a guy you got to get the hang of. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. Yeah, but but uh, I love his curiosity. Yeah, um, he is innately curious about human beings. Mm-hmm. Um, I I I love that he enjoys his life as much as he does. It's very funny too. And he yeah, he's he's a good guy. He's on to himself, and he and he doesn't take himself all that seriously. Yeah, yeah. he takes himself seriously, but not all that. Yeah, we had, I had some good laughs with him. Yeah. And it's possible to have good laughs with Shad. Oh, yeah, because if you just kind of poke him a little bit. Yeah, he, he's, he, he he's gets not... up off of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. He, he gets up off of it. So you did a lot of Star Trek. A lot, yeah, um, as an actor and, and as a director. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah that's right. You yeah. directed, like, what, 10, 15 episodes? Uh, at, at least, yeah, yeah. Of, of, uh, of all of the succeeding And that change in life, though, you know, to be out in the world as Kunta for, you know, probably a decade. Right. You know, in a very, you know, immediate way. Right. And then to be in the Star Trek universe. Right. That's like a big shift, man. And able to continue, while doing Star Trek, my work on Reading Rainbow. Because that happened almost simultaneously. Almost, yeah. We started, uh, first episode of Reading Rainbow, I think, was 1983, 84, and uh, we started Star Trek in 87. So, like, Reading Rainbow, like, for a generation of children, like, it's, it was as important as Mr. Rogers for the next generation. For that, for that next generation. You know, like, my producer's in his early, you know, mid-40s, early 40s, mid-40s, and, you know, he, you know, came up on it. Right. You know, like, right. they all know you. Right. Because parents are like, watch that. <laughs> and the, and parents could say watch watch that and walk out of the room knowing that you know that, that the child was still being somehow enriched um, yeah. through through the program. And what what was the incentive of that? Like what made you think to do that? I mean cuz that's that's your own thing. Yeah. Um it, it seemed like a good idea. Just to genuinely, it seemed like a really good idea. The the the, the initial you saw that there was a, a something missing from I, children's programming. I saw that there was an opportunity. See, one of the things that I really learned um, doing Roots was I had a, a powerful experience of just how powerful the medium is. Yeah, four hours of television, my life was yeah. changed forever, and in right. eight hours of television, this nation was changed around our common concept of what we mean when we talk about chattel slavery in mm-hmm. America. Mm-hmm. That's a that's pretty heavy for a television sh- show. Sure. Right. Yeah. Hundred million people. So 
when the idea for Reading Rainbow was pitched to me to use the very powerful engagement factor of television to create linkage between kids who are cracking the code, turning a kid who can read into a reader for life using television, I was all in. Yeah. It's like, yeah, let's yeah. do that. Yeah. And My then, mother was a teacher. I know, I, I know the value of being a reader yeah. in this life. Yeah, I, you know, I guess I don't like think about it uh, deeply enough in that, you know, because I can read. Yeah. But like the, but the true magic of reading is, is, is being a self-identified reader. Well, yeah, it's, yeah. but it, it, it really is this magical thing. It is absolutely <laughs> magic. Yeah. Just to learn it. And yeah. what, like, I'm just thinking back on like getting the hang of it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It opens up worlds. Yeah. And that, how often does that happen to a person in a life? Um, a, a, if you're lucky, a, a few. A few. I just had it happen the other day. Someone what? taught me. I took a guitar lesson. I play guitar, but I've been stuck in the same world of it right. for, for decades. Okay. And I just learned a few new scales Hello. from a guy. And Hello. I was like, oh, my God. Right. It's a, it's a whole thing. Hey, it's it, exciting. Life is designed to be exciting, mm. I believe. Yeah. Right? If yeah. You, if, you, if you take the right... If you have the right attitude so, about it. So do do you do people come up to you and, and say, like, you know, you tell me how to read? Every day of my life. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I'm a reader because of reading Rainbow. I'm a writer because of reading Rainbow. Um, I, I'm a beekeeper because of, you know, the, the episode well, of Bees. That's got to be the most rewarding thing. I think... Well, first of all, yes, it is, you know, um, as the son of an English teacher. Um, but just giving someone the keys. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, Roots is, is its its thing, you yeah. know, and you were part of something. But and, this and, sort of— and, and incredibly significant culturally. Yes. Yes. But just by you sitting there with books and with authors yeah. and doing that, yeah. in that, in the simplest way, you know, you've, like, who knows— what some of these people would have been without you and what we've got because of that. It's pretty cool. Right. Pretty cool. And that, you can, that's sort of still the mission. And to, you know, to think that for me, I mean, it would have been illegal not too long ago to know how to read, right? Would have been a, 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 an offense punishable by whipping. Or, or death, yeah, right? right? To have the facility of literacy mm. and to grow up and, and become a, a, a symbol of, of early childhood literacy mm. in this country, in this culture. Wow. You know? Uh, it's happening again. Yeah. They're taking away... Books. Yeah. Yeah. And, and education, right? Oh, my God. I don't know that Roots could get on the air this, this, these days without, um, without major backlash. People would call it woke. Maybe, but also we live in a world where people don't even see half the television that's out there. Yeah. Or they live in a bubble. Yeah. Like right. that, the uh, the uh, Underground Railroad, which I thought was... Brilliant. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Oh, unbelievable. Yeah. And, I, and, and that's, it's not like, but when Roots was on, there were three networks. That's right. Right? That's right. So you got to really choose now... Mm -hmm. What you watch. Right. Yeah. And you got to find it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You know, like the fact that not many people watched that Underground Railroad, which was one of it's genius. Genius. It's like it's so upsetting. And I interviewed 
him. The, Did you? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was like, I can't, everyone should see this. Yeah. But it's not an easy watch, man. No. Neither was Roots. I know. Yeah. But it was, it was devastating. Something, watching Underground Railroad, for me, was because of the, the poetry and the way the stories were framed and, and some of them sort of hyper-real. Yeah. Like, uh, it would, enabled me to connect with a, a type of, of empathy that I had not. That's awesome. Right? That's excellent. Yeah, that's art. That's the power of storytelling. Yeah, for sure. That's the power of storytelling. And now as, uh, I know you've been directing a lot, but like it seems like that there's an interesting thing that happened to, to you as an actor later in life is that you, you are uh, significant in your own right as LeVar Burton. Uh, and and that people, like the idea that you you were asked to play Martin Luther King, yeah. that must have been... Something else. Absolutely. Absolutely. How lucky am I? Pretty lucky. Yeah. What was it like doing that? It was awesome. Awesome having Michael Mann call. Yeah. And say, it's not a big part, but, uh, you know, I'm doing this thing. And it's really about Ali. But we've got this, you know, mm -hmm. there's, a, there's a moment. Right. Right? Mm -hmm. We're going to recreate the balcony, Lorraine Motel. Come on. I grew up, again, MLK. Yeah. It was, was a huge, huge influence. Yeah. Huge hero. It's heavy, man. But uh, these new, the, the podcast that's been ongoing yeah. is the story, reading the stories. LeVar Burton. And you also reads. won that award for reading the autobiography of, of uh, or the biography of, of MLK, right? Yeah, I did, yeah. I mean, I, 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 he's been a part of my life for as long, almost as long as I can remember. But I imagine when you engaged with the text, yeah. it, it must have been like, like it must have been like reading roots. Intimidating, but also incredibly rewarding. People, because he was such a great orator, people forget what an amazing writer he was, and to read those speeches. And and feel the elegance and the beauty of the language and 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 the and the power of you know of the, of the ideas. Didn't he write a book about nonviolent uh, activism? Or I don't know if or, it was, or a, just it was a, a book. It was it was, it was it was a way of of life. Yeah, he talked about nonviolence a lot. Yeah, I mean it was a it was a big, and also he was a person. He was a man. Mm -hmm. He was a man. Yeah, all of our heroes are human. human. Yep. Yeah. It's, well, yeah. I mean, it, it, but I, I fear for the new generation because I think some of their heroes might not be human. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. There's just a, this, there's something's breaking down between fiction and reality. Me, I think there is a distinct lack of principled leadership. Um, In on general. The planet, on the planet. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Where are they? Where are the good guys? Where are the good guys? Where are the good guys who are willing to step out and and lead? Right. That's the willingness to... Not be selfish. Being a public servant used to be a thing, but it's not anymore. You no, know, now it's like it's, you it's, run for office to um, to get power so you can wield power to get what you want. Right. Yeah, it's a problem that there's no democratic bench. There is no bench. We have no bench. It's crazy. We have no bench. What are you doing? I'm not going into politics. Is what I'm. I'm not doing. I'm not doing that. Keep teaching the kids. I f feel like I found. You know, I I found my place. 
Yeah, but it's also a place that you can feel pro. You know that you're doing something proactive. Well, I feel and very good about about yeah. about my life. I'm, That's great. I, I I love what I do. Did you ever meet Fred Rogers? Yeah, he's my third. My third. I know. Third well, what was that experience? Hero. Um, it was awesome. Fred was a Presbyterian minister, so we sort of met on the field of service. But the very first time I met Fred, I was looking forward to meeting him because. I wanted to meet the real guy. Yeah. I thought that the guy that was on TV was a character that he right. was playing. Sure. So to find out that that's, that's actually authentically who Fred was, was, was eye-opening. It was eye-opening because he was, he was because, authentic. Because he was authentic and he was that guileless. Yeah. And he was that, um, he was that guy. He was that compassionate. He was that open. He was that caring. He was yeah. that real. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean... I'm sorry about the Jeopardy thing. Don't be. I was I was rooting for you, even though I don't watch it. I, I was rooting for I you. I appreciate you. I, I was I was disappointed, but it was a, not but and it was a terrific life lesson for me. It was a real learning moment because you wanted to do it. I did. I did want to do it. I thought I thought I would be good at it, and so I I went after it. Yeah. Very very publicly. Yeah. And to 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 not have gotten it, you know. There was, you know, there was, there was some hubris that, that got hurt. Know, got hurt. It hurt a bit. Yeah, it hurt more than a bit. Yeah, but I got over it. Yeah, and and it was a a reminder of something that I really actually do believe and try to put into practice in my life. I believe everything happens for a reason. Yeah, and the fact that that didn't happen for me meant that it wasn't for me. That's a good way to look at things. Uh, I, you know, keeps you out of the bitter place. <sighs> I, 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 I learned a long time ago that that staying out of that place was good for me, that being in that place wasn't, wasn't necessary. It wasn't healthy. I stopped reading the trades years ago because yeah. I, the reading the trades for me was an experience of, of, of seeing what, what I wasn't doing. Everybody else was you know, yeah. doing something except for me. It was yeah. torturous. Yeah, I get that. Torturous. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a sort of, it's all pride. Yeah. And ego, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I, it's it's a tough business for that. Even even if you're doing well and you feel good, there's always like you know, how come that guy? Exactly. <laughs> we were never satisfied. <laughs> we just were never satisfied. But a lot of times, if you really play that through, it's like you're not that guy. You're not that guy. <laughs> and his life is for him, and your life is for you. And, and would you want to be that? You know, no. That's the weird thing about it. Like, you know, a lot of times I'm like jealous or resentful of people and I, I don't even want the job. Right. But you just want what you can I just have. want to compare myself. Yeah. There's some part of you that's sort of like, well, you must suck. Yeah. I mean, that, that more speaks to that than injustice. Because if yes. after a certain point, all you're doing is beating the shit out of yourself. Exactly. So don't compare yourself to others. That's it. Old, right? Yeah, it's old stuff. Old stuff. It's, it's, it's the basics. It's it's human basics it's, once they figured it out. Human 101. Right. Human These are the being things. 101. Yep. Don't covet, man. Right. Be a good person. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, don't covet. Yeah. Don't covet. Yeah, because it's not going to go it, anywhere it's, good. It's not good for the soul. No, and it leads to bad shit. It does. <laughs> Yeah, it does. You're gonna start. You're gonna start stealing. You're gonna start killing. It's not a new story. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. (laughs) 
It also doesn't seem to be a story that everyone, that anyone fully catches on to. No. We generation see, after generation we, we, of coveters and killers. That's us. I know. That's humanity. Well, I'm glad you're doing well. I feel, I feel good. I'm, 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 I'm happy. Good. I say that, you know, um, almost with embarrassment. No. You know. Yeah. If you were to ask my mom, how you doing? Yeah. She would always say, mm, fair to Midland. Yeah. Fair yeah. to Midland. Yeah. So as not to tempt the gods. I always you say know. good enough. Good enough. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's my new yeah. one. Sidney Poitier always said, I am well. Oh, that's nice. I am well. I like yeah. that. Did you meet him? Oh, yeah. Oh, he, he must have. He, yeah. like, he was around for a long time. Yeah. What was that like? <sighs> like I said, you know, he was one of the reasons I became an actor. Seeing Lilies of the Field mm. when I was a kid, I wanted to be that man. I wanted to be Sidney Poitier, not necessarily the, the character Homer Smith. I wanted to be Sidney. Yeah. Yeah. I just watched uh, In the Heat of the Night again. Yeah. Dude, <laughs> that yeah. thing is crazy. When he slaps that man. <laughs> it's the, the best. <laughs> and, it, and, and, it, he, and, and the guy turns to Rod Steiger. Did you see that? He's like, yeah, I saw it. I just, I don't know that I believe it. Awesome. Every time it's awesome. It is. Like it never loses. No. It's no. that's the amazing thing about watching some of that stuff. It's like like I watched Sorcerer recently mm. and that's the free conversion of the wages of uh, fear. And like every time those trucks drive over those bridges, and I've seen it three times, you're sort of like, Oh shit. You know, every time. That's storytelling that's too. That's the power of storytelling. Yeah, man. Yeah. Even if you know how it's gonna end. Moving pictures and sound. Mm-hmm. It hits. It hits in a way. For I mean, we are. I think we are. You know, we we are physically predisposed, right? Yeah, of course. To moving pictures and sound, it touches an emotional chord. We're open to it. What's well, it's, it's gets it, right in there. Well, it's well, all, yeah. It's just it's the way we are are are. It's how we are grounded in reality. Exactly. We you use know, the same skills and senses that we use to process the world, only we're being we're the receivers. Yeah. Right? It's, we're, a, we're not, it's part of genetic memory. There you it's go. It's the ongoing story. And our connection to to, to dreams. Yeah. To the dreams right, state, to the right, what's possible, the possibility. Right. That's you know, that's that's what stories trigger yeah. in us. Yeah. The possibilities. And you're doing and you're telling stories on the, you know, on the two shows. Yeah. Good talking to you, man. Mark Marin, I, I love you. I love you too. Yeah, you're 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 a really good man. Who, I appreciate is, that. You have found, you have carved your your place, right? Yeah. You have carved your place, and 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 you have, you know, you have integrity. Yeah. You do. Yeah. You do. You I have. used to have a joke where I'd say it's easy to maintain your integrity when no one's offering to buy it out. <laughs> But now that's changed, right? Yeah. Well, you know, it's weird. The path was carved out of, you know, what could have been a life of bitterness, you know. Like there was definitely a a crossroads situation and, uh, you know, cosmic timing. And you had Uh, to pick yourself up, right? Right. And you had to talk to yourself. Well, I had to keep pushing. I don't know. Like, you know, I talked to myself, but it was more like, you know, I got to do something. Hmm. You you know, and it was just I had... You know, a skill set, and I was, I was, I just, I never stopped working, dude. Right. Yeah, I kept, yeah. kept going. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't give up. That's what it is, really. Yeah. Either you're a giver-upper or you're not. You're not. 
Well, I'm glad you've persevered. You too. And and you know, and figured out your shit. Yeah. Well, that's ongoing, but I think that the, a good part of it is is kind of worked out. Yeah. You know, there's some there's some things that could use tweaking. But you have purpose in your life. I do. And uh, that's stuff. And, and yeah. that's what I recognize. Well, in thank you. you. I appreciate yeah, it. Man. Quite a life, actually, right? Uh, again, you can subscribe to Sound Detectives wherever you get podcasts, so you'll be able to hear the first episode as soon as it comes out. And also subscribe to LeVar Burton Reads, which is on its ninth season. Hang out for a minute, folks. Hey, folks, this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. You know all those times you've heard guests sneeze on the show. Well, actually, you don't hear any of that because we cut the sneezes out when we're editing. But take my word for it, people definitely sneeze in here, and when they do, I've got a box of Kleenex on the table right in front of them so they can use one and get right back to business. And here's what Kleenex means to me, a tissue that will hold up. We've all used those other tissues that you blow holes right through. When I see Kleenex, I know that tissue is up for the job. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Hey, Full Marin subscribers, listen up. There are more producer cuts for you this week. You get to hear stuff that didn't make it into the show, including some extra chatting with Maria Bamford. I feel like show business is like a, is like a bad rela- relationship. Well, I used it's, to say that all the time. But show business is not your parents. It's an, and it's an alcoholic. Like it's like yeah. shows up at, you know, on your front lawn at 8 a.m. and going, hey, I love you. Yeah, yeah. I love you so much where you've been. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've been right here. I've been here the whole time I've been here talking. The whole time. <laughs> Go to the episode description and click on the link to sign up for the full Marin. And don't forget to submit a question for next week's Ask Mark Anything bonus. Bonus episode. You can also go to WTFpod.com and click on WTF Plus. Next week, we have a twofer on Monday. Les Claypool from Primus and guitarist Mark Rebo in two separate talks. And then on Thursday, director Larry Charles. Man, that thing was... Man, me and Larry, we did the thing. Whew. That was some fast-paced chat. Man, we got going, me and Larry. All right. Here's some happy birthday guitar. <laughs>
Boomer Lives, Monkey and the Fonda, Cat Angels Everywhere. 